Our scripture passage this Easter Sunday is John chapter 19, verse 41, through chapter 20, verse 18. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I am a crier. I cry when I see sunsets. And I cry when I see replays of Ray Knight rounding third base to score the winning run in Game 6 of 86 for the Mets in the World Series. I cried when my children were born. And I cried when Arnold Schwarzenegger lowered himself into the lava to destroy the Cyberdyne chip in his head at the end of Terminator 2. I am a crier. When I was in the fourth grade, I was starting a new school and I cried every day on the way to school and my dad would say son it takes 21 days to adjust to any new situation 
but I didn't just cry on the way to school. I cried walking down the hallway into class. And when I got to class with tears in my eyes, all of my classmates said, why are you crying? So I lied and said my hamster had died. I was too embarrassed to admit the real reason, though now I'm not quite sure that crying over your hamster was any better than crying because you were just having a hard time starting at a new school. When we think of Easter, we think of celebration. We think of soaring organs and singing choirs. But the first Easter, there were a lot of tears. We read in John chapter 20, verse 11, but Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb. You see, Mary represents every fourth grade child that is scared to start at a new school. Mary represents every spouse that has ever had their trust broken. Mary represents the rumbling stomach that is longing for their next meal but is not sure where it's going to come from. Mary represents every person who has ever watched a loved one die of a disease. Mary represents every orphan who longs for a parent and every parent who has lost a child. There were a lot of tears at the first Easter. And there are a lot of tears at this Easter. My eyes well with tears every time I think about us not gathering in the same room to celebrate this Easter morning. But the good news of the first Easter and the good news of this Easter is that Jesus meets those who weep. After Mary stood outside of the tomb weeping, she eventually bent down and, and glanced into the tomb and, and she saw two angels. One was where Jesus' head would have been and one was where Jesus' feet would have been. And they asked her a question. Why are you crying? It's a fascinating question. It's one that I believe deserves our attention this Easter morning. Why are you crying? And Mary's answer, I believe, can help us process our own answers to this question. She says, they have taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have laid him. They have taken my, and I don't know. They have taken my job away. They have taken my stability away. They have taken my school away. They have taken my routine away. They've taken my health away. Maybe your spouse is deployed and you are wondering when they're going to be able to come back in the midst of this pandemic. And you're saying they have taken my husband away. They have taken my wife away. They have taken my fill in the blank for your life. And I don't know, she says. And I don't know. And I don't know how to fix it. I don't know the answer. I don't know where to turn. I don't know when or how it all ends. But remember, Jesus meets those who weep. And as Mary turns around, she sees Jesus face to face. And Jesus asks her the same question. So we know this is an important question for this and every Easter and every day of our lives. Why are you crying? He says. And she says, if you've taken him away, just tell me where he is. She mistakes him to be the gardener. 
And so Jesus breaks through, not with a question, but with one word. He breaks through with her name. He says, Mary, Mary. And she turns again and she shouts out, Rabboni, which is an affectionate way of saying teacher. He breaks through with her name. You see, Jesus doesn't, ju- Jesus doesn't just meet those who weep. Jesus knows those who weep. And so I want to invite you, wherever you are on your spiritual journey this morning, to bring your tears to the empty tomb of Jesus. But don't just stop there. Mary doesn't just bring her tears to the tomb. She turns toward Jesus. You see, there's an interesting detail in the passage that I learned from one of our student ministry mentees several years ago. She noticed something I'd never seen before, that earlier in the passage she turned around and sees Jesus, but she doesn't recognize him. She thinks he's the gardener. And after Jesus calls her name Mary, it says she turns again. And so this student said, it must have only been a half turn, that initial turn toward Jesus. Or maybe she turned to Jesus, but but she turned back around too ashamed and embarrassed or just not wanting someone to see her tears. But ultimately, when he calls out her name, it's a full turn toward Jesus. Bring your tears to Jesus and then turn toward Jesus. Turn from your destructive habits and turn toward Jesus. Turn from your greed and turn toward Jesus. Turn from your self-centeredness and self-sufficiency and turn toward Jesus. Turn from your need for others' approval and turn toward Jesus. Turn from every sin and turn from everything that is not God's design for human flourishing and turn toward Jesus. Turn toward Jesus. For he went through death and out the other side so that all who cling to him through faith, he might carry away from their sin and carry through sin's consequence of death into life now and in the hereafter. The Bible has a word for this kind of turning. The word is repent. It it literally means to turn around, to to make a U-turn. We can turn now. We can repent now. We, We only say, we only need to say, Jesus, I repent. I turn toward you. And he stands ready to receive you. He stands ready to call out your own name, Mary, Mark, Sally, Joanne, Michael. He calls your name and Jesus meets those who weep. He meets us with lots of things that we need. He meets us with comfort. Notice Jesus doesn't say, Mary, stop crying. You're you're causing a scene. He asks a question to gently allow her to be curious about what she is so upset about. He meets us with relationship. When the question doesn't work, he breaks through with her name, seeking to connect with her relationally. 
He meets us with intimacy. Mary doesn't use the standard term rabbi to, to call Jesus. She says rabboni, which is a, a, a term of endearment. And he meets us with mission. After he meets Mary as she weeps, he sends her to the other disciples to announce this good news to everyone else. He gives us a job to do in his world. And he meets us with restoration. Notice a little later in verse 17, he calls his disciples his brothers and he says, go and say to my brothers that I'm ascending to my father and your father to your God and my God. Up till now, he's called his disciples friends. He's called his disciples servants. But now he takes it another level. He calls them brothers. You're now a part of my family. And he says to Mary, I'm going to send to my father and your father, my God and your God. There's a restoration of something that was lost, a restoration of our relationship with God, a restoration of our relationship with each other. The key to understanding this restoration is to see where Jesus meets those who weep that first Easter morning. He meets Mary in a garden. You see a little bit earlier in the passage in John chapter 19, verse 41. Now the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had been laid. Just on the other side of Jesus' death, there was a garden. And that's why I decided to film this sermon in a spot in my backyard that has a bit of a garden feel to it with a few azalea blooms behind me. Because at the chapel this year, ever since September, we've been walking through the big picture story of the Bible. We've called it God's story of creation, rebellion, redemption, and new creation with Jesus at the center. And the story begins in a garden where God creates, a, creates the universe and calls a people. And as he creates the universe, as he calls a people, he places them in a garden. And in this garden, they have perfect relationship with each other, perfect relationship with God's creation, and perfect relationship with God himself. But there's a rebellion. They believe that they can run the world better than God. They believe that they can self-secure and, and self-save. And so they are pushed east out of that garden, east of Eden. And, and they move into the world on their own outside the garden. And they find the world outside the garden is quite dangerous. Destruction abounds. And death is the ultimate destination of every living thing. When I was a kid, I used to love to play at a friend's house in a construction site. He, his neighborhood had, had not yet been built and so there, his house was built but there were all kinds of houses under construction and we would go and we would play in those houses until one day his mom caught us and said get out of there it's too dangerous. I was riding my bike home the other day and I, I saw this sign. It was the construction zone right here. Danger. Keep out. Danger. Do not enter. Our world is a dangerous place. We've become more aware of that over the past few weeks. Relationships get broken. Bodies get broken. Economies get broken. 
The foundations of the world have been shaken by a pandemic and America is not immune to the tremors. Danger, do not enter, is a sign that could be placed all over our world right now. But the greatest story ever told makes the greatest claim ever made. God saw the danger, do not enter sign, and he blew right past it. You see, God in Jesus Christ entered the story. And the radical claim of the Bible is that the God who meets those who weep also weeps himself. And he weeps with those who weeps as he entered our dangerous world, not at the risk of his life, but at the very cost of his life. That in Jesus Christ, submitting to a death he did not deserve, he blew a hole right through the back door of death and became the way back to the garden for all who believe. Mary indeed stands face to face with the true gardener. The school that caused me to shed all of those tears in the fourth grade had a strong honor code. I gave a speech years later at that same school when I was graduating, and I decided to finally get honest about my tears from the fourth grade. I told everyone that my hamster had indeed not died and that I had begun my time at that school in full violation of the honor code. Maybe this scattered Easter Sunday, it's time for all of us to get honest about our tears. It's time for all of us to get honest and answer Jesus' question, why are you crying? And in return, may we turn toward Jesus. May we answer the question and turn toward Jesus and hear him call out our name and place our faith in him, the resurrected true gardener who meets those who weep.